I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. Community is so important, especially in years like 2020. Judy Nunez has been working hard over the years on her business, Tales on Trails, to build that community in her local area and has seen it pay off dividends, not just for her business monetarily, but for the people that she works with, for the people in her community this year. Judy joins us to discuss what it's like building that community, why it's so important to her, and what we can do in our own areas that we live. Let's get started. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Colin. I so appreciate this. Um, My name is Judy Nunez. I am the founder and owner of Tales on Trails, LLC, in the magnificent city of Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, We're right over the water of New York, uh, and our city is amazing. So um, I am a first-generation Dominican woman who comes from a family of entrepreneurs, as we came into this country, everything that I could think of to learn of how to run a business, I learned from my family. And uh, we come from a long line of, uh, well, we're basically forces of nature. I'll give it to that way. All of my cousins, everyone involved, we're a huge family. Take my big fat Greek wedding, but Spanish. It's exactly <laughs> like that. So lots of conversation, lots of chatting, a lot of food and conversation on top of that. Um, but I've been a pet sitter for 13 years in the Hudson County area. Uh, my background is stage management and safety. Uh, also, customer service is uh, my parents' own restaurants. There's no one on this earth will have uh, as a client uh, that coming in. <laughs> There's no one on earth that really needs the exception of customer service and someone who's hungry. So we right. figure that out early, feed everyone on time, get the music going, and we're good. <laughs> <laughs> but we offer uh, personalized pet care um, in Jersey City. Wow. Well, with that kind of background of, you know, this customer service, and I love that of like, that, that you, there's no need for a higher level of customer service. And I feel like that, you know, that is so important to pet care too, because it's not just taking care of the pets and providing uh, the, as much love and care for them as possible. Like you really do have to take care of the clients because they're the ones that pay, right? Like at the end of the day, like they're the ones that, that you need to keep serving. So with this, with this background, how did Tales on Trails get started? Oh, so Tales on Trails got started kind of in a surprising way. Um, I, in my 20s, I was a, um, well, I was in, this, in the corporate world for a really long time until I had an, a, a physical issue. I became disabled at the age of 28 um, for about two years and I could no longer work. Hmm. So everything that I did in my 20s to uh, self-actualize and be an adult and go on with the life, all of that had to be removed. And it was really daunting. Uh, what I learned during that time of reflection was, you know, I, I love walking. I've always been very active. I have a dance background, so I have to be very physical and out there. And I found that during a time when I wasn't able to really function, uh, the pets that I had around me, because I've been a pet lover since I was born, essentially, um, and especially living in, living in the Dominican Republic, I was surrounded with dogs and chickens and every kind of animal you can imagine. But uh, Tales on Trail started after I became a pet sitter, uh, a dog walker, for a few years first. I didn't know what to do with my life. All I knew is that I can physically walk because everything else was off the table. I couldn't sit any longer. I could no longer be at a desk. So I ended up trying to find a way. And it's like, it's, it's, it almost felt like a lost journey trying to figure out who you are. And what I found was with, it, with walking, there's so much strength that is involved in that and so much stamina that it really helped to bring me back. And of course, um, working with pets was so therapeutic and amazing. It was really healing for me. Um, I decided, because I was having the best time in the world. I mean, I did it for five years uh, in, in my late 20s, uh, early 30s, while I was stage managing as well. But I decided, you know what? I could do this for a living. And I decided to open it. Um, I opened it Tales on Trails back in 2012. Um, I find that the universe, the higher powers really likes to give me, give us all challenges that we can handle. So I opened Tales on Trails, the worst timing ever. (laughs) I opened it two weeks. I I finally opened it two weeks before Hurricane Sandy came and destroyed everything. Mm. So I had 12 clients, uh, 11 people, 11 of our clients lost their homes. Uh, I had a client, which was crazy. 
Um, the entire uh, Jersey City was basically decimated along with Hoboken and so on. And in our city, even the Pat Station on Grove Street to go into New York, it was closed for eight or nine months. I mean, we had like, we were totally encased. It was like really specific. And I found that the community was so like, like we linked arms and worked together. I mean, there were like two restaurants in uh, on New York Ave that were open. It was just like crazy. I ended up getting a second job working at one of those restaurants that was open. And it was just crazy. It was it was just intuitive and crazy and learning. And then, of course, I figured out a month after that, not that we needed more, but I learned that I was expect, expecting my first uh, child. So all of this, right? <laughs> all of this happened with all of this chaos. And I have to say, I, I don't know if it's God of the universe, but I, I still feel after all of that, that you're never given more than you can handle. I have an, an, an incredible work ethic, in particular for my family, mm-hmm. and an incredible love for, and I'm so passionate about all of this. And especially with the idea of me becoming a mother, I mean, I could not let you know my son down. So I put my head down and went to work. And somehow, here we are. <laughs> it's been quite magical. It was myself, 11, uh, one client, um, everything was on paper. There was no technology. I had to, you know how difficult it is to go in a meeting green and go, hi, don't mind this. Everything's going to be fine. Like, don't mind my belly. We got yeah. this. Uh, <laughs> but I have to say, I am a fairly, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a, like, I'm a fairly confident person. I know what I'm capable of. And it's not my first rodeo. I've always had a very determined personality. Sure. And I usually, if things are joyful, I find a way. Right. So, that that's how that started. <laughs> <laughs> well, I that is a what a wild ride and and it sounds yes. like your 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 background and this this grit, this determination, this entrepreneurship that comes from your family, right? Like that's it sounds like that that really is what primed the pump for you to be able to look at those challenges and go actually uh no, like I'm not going to let this uh take me down. I'm going to actually lean into this and and actually make oh, this yeah. make this work. Oh, huge. Um, I am, uh, I'm a stage manager by trade. Um, I love my mind works in pieces and a gathering and, and you can, no one can really do this. I don't think unless you're hyper organized and I'm that person who gets obsessive about that. Cause that's how I, when there's so much chaos, one does have to hold on to something. Right. So, but thank you. My background, you're correct. Um, you know, watching my family, um, we're, I, I, we had a family reunion about a year ago where uh, a bunch of our first cousins got together. Um, I have about 118 first cousins. Like, I'm not kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Both of my parents, my father and mother, both, um, came of a family of 20 siblings. My father was first born. My mother was a 12th and they lived, um, in the Dominican Republic in San Jose de las Matas in the Santiago province. And when we had a family reunion last year, where out of the a bunch of first cousins we had, about 20 to 25 went, we got this amazing house in Florida, like this almost like a halfway mansion to fit so many people. Yeah. And one of my cousins was doing like, um, you know, was trying to figure out our lineage, exactly where we came from. And we de- he determined that my entire family has been in one province since the 1700s, wow. one place. And as my parents came here in the late 60s, early 70s, they went to New York City. They were, um, my father was a restaurant uh, person. You know, he was like a dishwasher, became a chef and eventually owned restaurants. And my mother, she was a seamstress. She worked down in the Lower East Side, you know, in all the factories and everything. I mean, they were the heart, the heart and soul of New York City. And, you know, and we were born here. Hello. And then my parents decided to take us back. So I grew up in the Dominican Republic until I was nine. So I came in as an immigrant to this country, uh, not a word of English, and I'm a smart cookie. So a year in, I got it. (laughs) So it's all of that. It's watching my parents, you know, go from, I mean, I can't even imagine how scary they must be. Your entire family history, if you think of like the immigrant story, happens with with us, you know, and it's so daunting. And I have four brothers. I'm the only girl. And there's a lot of pressure. but I just, I don't know. I just watched my parents, you know, work and love and have family and party. And God, we had so many dance parties and we ate so well and oh, flowers everywhere. Like I didn't know that we were maybe poor or we had no idea. We were always surrounded with so much 
love and so much conversation. It was like awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, and just see that, see that passion, right? This lineage of passion and hard work yeah. transform. And as you meant, I can't imagine what that would be like being like, this transformation is really happening with me, right? Like this is me taking this entire, <laughs> taking this entire history, taking this entire history and hard work and making, and, and making something happen here. Uh, you know, yeah. just uh, that that's that's just wild. I love I love that so much. Okay. <laughs> so so now I think as part of your doggy daycare that you just started, um I, I think yes. you also offer um a private party and event area that you open yes. up for there too. I, I would love for you to tell us more about that and how that got started. Sure, sure. Um part of how everything got started was um Jersey City is pretty large and it comes into different neighborhoods downtown, Bergen Lafayette, the Heights and so on. Um I live on the west uh, excuse me, I live in Bergen Lafayette, so I decided to open something new in the west side, another area that really needed more specific service and I wanted to get into part of Jersey City that I felt reminded me of the Jersey City maybe 15 years ago, a little mm-hmm. bit, a little smaller, a little bit more quiet. Um, I remember being out here visiting when the path station wasn't even there. And you can only imagine in 15 years how much something can change, especially next to New York. So mm-hmm. it's just been, you know, just so much has changed that I kind of wanted to revert back to a more quiet and calm area that maybe was not getting that type of service. So I thought, let me find my tribe. Let me continue mm-hmm. finding my tribe in different places. I've always found, I don't know what it is, but I've always found whether it's wherever I grew up, whatever school I was in, I never felt like the odd person out. I've always felt like, hey guys, let's be friends. And it was like, whatever click it was, I was a person who was friends with every single click. Because for me, I was just happy to be there and happy to like talk to people. And I'm so interested in how people, what they do and so on that I I don't know. I I wanted to open a doggy daycare to have like private parties because I I was really missing like being part of the neighborhood. I had finally after 13 years, um, if you can imagine after, you know, since 2012 and then being pregnant and my son that just turned seven and he is just the sun in the sky full of energy and the boy doesn't sleep. He doesn't ever nap. So I'm in a place where I'm surrounded with very specific energy. And I honestly opened up the spot to find a different uh, connection to community that was more specific and visceral for me. But I, all my Spanish family, they're in Queens, they're in Florida. Like, I just, I miss my people. Like, I love the vibration when there's 15 people in the room. So we have this thing where the doggy day camp that on the weekend, the intention had been to open it up to do private doggy birthday parties. So we had separate ones of those people were celebrating. And then we were doing something called rent the run. That way they could rent the space and the run in the back for like a private dog run in that area. That way I wanted neighbors, like it was very Mr. Rogers about it. Like who are the people in our neighborhood? Like what's going on here? And I wanted to sit down and just be like, let's go somewhere that's safe, somewhere that the door's locked and that we can, you know, meet our neighbors. And that there's a coffee shop next door, Treehouse Cafe. Amazing. They're 50% of the reason why I got that spot too, because they're the heart and center of the West side as well. That's how that opened. We wanted to socialize, get to know our neighbors. And that was like my way of just like hanging out with people. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I really just missed hanging out with people because the last two, three years of my life, I've had to physically remove myself from the physical walking. Um, as you know, with dog walkers, we walk six, eight hours on concrete every day or weather. I did it for 13 years. Like my body was falling apart. Yeah. And because I was removed, I was stage managing and still being every meeting, greet, every training I was out there, but I was not... I was removed. Like I needed to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you were, you were, you were, you were out in the community, but you weren't in the community at that point. And, and it was torture. (laughs) (laughs) And and so, you know, when you, you looked at that and you went, you went, okay, where is there a need for this? And where can I fit in? And this idea of going, I want to bring, I want to help bring the community together through their pets, right? Like I can 100%. fill that need and I can, and I can get be fed by that too. Cause then I get to go to the parties and, you know, help run the event and do all that fun stuff too. I get to hug puppies. <laughs> the best part of the job. <laughs> I'll tell you, I missed that the most. I, I wasn't seeing my babies as much anymore and I was really missing them. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is a lot. It is a lot. And you don't, you know, that part of it too is a lot of times you don't, 
might not think, oh, I'm going to miss them as much as I do, but we do miss them. We do miss them when we have to oh, go yeah. on, you know, when we go take a break, or we go on vacation or they, they don't need our services for a time being. It's like, oh, I miss my walks with, you know, with Kevin. Like he was awesome. Like I really miss yeah. him. You, you, don't, you don't expect that, but you, but you do have those moments for sure. So, you know, knowing that, that you're out there going, there's a, there's a need in this community. Um, what can I do? How can I help fill this? You know, I just, I, I think that, I think that's really great. And, and you are, you are involved a lot. In your community, you, you do a lot of community type events too. Did want to touch on um, some things you know you mentioned a little bit earlier. You're shifting the business, you're shifting to more mm-hmm. of a boutique atmosphere, and I think you're also you, you mentioned you're bringing in some some retail into your locations too. Yes. What what is that shift? What prompted that shift? I guess other than. 2020 a pandemic what's the thought process behind that and how was that shift going oh thank you thank you so much for asking that that's like the toughest one um i'm a big believer that if you're passionate and you know yourself you know what you're made of you know what you want that i find that resonating with something is more important than chasing after something or feeling like i think i want this at the end of the day, there's no, I think it's very difficult to do what I've done with the pieces I've had. I've had to MacGyver a lot of things with tape and gum. That's kind of crazy. A part of that is stage managing and theater. You kind of have that. Um, but I found that, you know, the experience with Sandy and starting my business that way, that's how my business, the seats came along that, I don't know, I, I kind of, I don't know if this is, this is probably very telling and it's kind of weird, but when the pandemic happened, it was awful especially out here in March, it was really devastating. But then I had that feeling that, oh, I, I know what this is. Like, I know what this is. Mm. I wasn't as freaked out because I did this in a place where I had nothing. <laughs> so doing it again now after doing so much, because in a time of five to about seven, since 2012 until this year, and that time from seven, eight years, it went again from it being me with a backup, I had a client, Mm-hmm. And it went from me having to the peak, I had 20 uh, walkers. I had four people in my office. We had 125 daily dog walks. We had between 40 and 80 cat clients that came in throughout the year. And then we were doing events in the pack walk. And we were doing all about downtown, this huge fall event that is a yearly community event uh, for Jersey City that takes place every September. We were um, vendors and sponsors for many years. And in that place, hundreds of thousands of people come. And it's a big, like, if that was my favorite. Because if there's a block party to hang out in, like, <laughs> let me tell you, hundreds of thousands of people. And I had our walkers there that we even could meet each other, because put a face to the name. And it was such a party, I'll tell you, the best time. And you would go around and meet other vendors. And it was just like the whole community. Think of like, uh, like a blackout, like New York City just had an anniversary for the 2003 blackout, which I was in New York for that one. It reminded me of that party, except no blackout. And it was like full day fun and people had drinks or food and it was like super party. Um, so the makeshift, like how did we start shifting? We reached this, I, I don't even understand fully how we reached where we did, except that that's what we can do. I'm a very, I, I know how to put my head down to work. And I know at the end of the day that because I want to resonate with people, the clients that I, that I chose, because I did a meet and greet, I, must, I have at this point in 13 years have met hundreds of clients, probably like seven or 800 clients over the years. Like it's been a lot. I meet every single client, even to this day through Zoom now, which is weird, but we'll do it. Um, we'll do that. But every walker that's ever walked with us, I'm very hands-on with training. I'm the general up at front. I'm, even though I'm not walking every day, the walkers see me. I'm out there in all kinds of weather going, hi, I'm the Dominican. It's super cold. It's negative 20. I got my ski pants on. Like, let's do this. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Judy's out there training. I train everybody. We work it out. Um, the way everything started shifting really is... I really wasn't thinking too far ahead as to how something this big can really be structured long-term. Mm. I'm a single parent. I'm only one person. Yeah. I have incredible staff around me. I, I resonate again with really great people in the office. There's no way I can do half of anything without anybody. But I had to structure the business with the understanding that I cannot be a cog that blocks anything. I'm hands in, but I have to observe more and trust my staff to really push everything because if my son needed something or he was sick, here we are. I had to take care of him. So how did everything shift from now into retail? Um, 
basically when the pandemic hit that Monday, Tuesday for us, it was like the beginning of March, Monday and Tuesday, because every part of the country, you got hit with the pandemic and whatever iteration that you were sitting, you know, my brother's up in like Washington state, he got it six to eight weeks before us. New York is now six to eight weeks ahead of Florida and so on. Cause this country is so big, but, um, I had given myself the, the doggy day camp open February 1st, which is doggy day camp with what we advise with renting, you know, the space. And we went from having a dog <laughs> to 12 to 16 dogs in a matter of five weeks. Um, I, I know I did everything. I met every client. I get in there. I'm like, okay, I know how to be a professional dog walker, I had, but it's a different universe than being attached to a leash than them running around. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a behavioral specialist, but you know what? I can figure anything out. Right. And at the end of the day, there was a lot of research. I'd look to mentorship. There was a lot of resources that I went to and said, you know, what would be the best way I had behaviorists come and give us suggestions and to set up uh, that up for safety. And the week of the pandemic, I'll tell you that Monday, Tuesday, I was standing there and everything worked. I had given myself eight weeks from February 1st to make it work. Hell hard water. Let's do this. And by the fifth week we did it. I remember calling the office going, oh my God, we're here. And I looked around and the dogs were all getting along. They were all frolicking in the sun. It was like a movie. I'm like, ah, and they were following me along. Like, I'm, I'm like, that, you know, I would walk from one wave, but it was like a line. Right out. It was so weird. They were following right behind me. It was perfect. Mm. And then I started training people. But then that was Monday, Tuesday. By Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, New Jersey was shut down. Mm. Like New Jersey, like was specifically shut down. And I think in the course of a week, everything was shut down. Like we closed down in four days, put everything to bed. And it was the most panic stricken I think I've ever been and shocked. Um, How this all happened was I had to let go. I am a perfectionist. I am the stage manager. There isn't anything that I expect other people to do that I would not put myself to do first. Mm. And I realized that I I am that person who... It's so hard for me to let go. Like, I feel like I, I'm such a willful, like willful in a sense where I can create my destiny or I can take the tools, the MacGyver tape and the chewing gum and like the stick of whatever. I can make a, a pen, like I can make it work. And then I look at the crazy inventory of all the things that we've built, all of the projects, all of the events, all of the things that we wanted to do for community. And I had to watch everything close down and, and, and all the lights turn off and put away. It was, I mean, I'm a creative person and just that creative aspect of putting away was devastating. Yeah. So I let everything go. And then I just kind of eventually became like everybody else and started watching Netflix and chilling out because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> and, um, and then slowly but surely, I felt like I, I, I would take a lot of time to take walks. And I felt like God of the universe speaking with me, talking about it's time to make it smaller. It's time, you know, as much as I enjoyed doing something that big and it was amazing and it's so like gratifying to come where we started to where we were. But at the end, you know, is that what I wanted long-term? Was I really happy, you know, with my personal life when it came to that? And I realized smaller is better. Like there's nothing wrong with starting again. And the pivot then began where there were so many other vendors and so many other dog walkers and so many people who have so many other skill sets who dove in, who maybe started other creative processes. And I realized we have so many vendors and so many people. I wanted to open like the Tales on Trails Marketplace is what we're going to call it, cool. which is like the little boutique shop. And in that area, because every section, it's almost like the pandemic forced everyone to have like their own little village. Like think of like England countryside, like. And what, there's a butcher, the baker, candlestick maker, and everybody there. And like, nobody wants to go downtown anymore. Everyone's scared yeah. to go to Target. Nobody has like a dog food place. And my neighbor, Treehouse Cafe, was saying, hey, I don't want to go downtown for my dog food. Why don't we do something? So it became this like lifeline of, I wanted to be part, since I already was planning to be part in a very Mr. Rogers kind of way there and party, why not then be like a hub? for creatives for have maybe whatever vendors needed that way people didn't have to go all the way downtown for pet supplies or dog food or something fun because we're basically gearing it it's very boutique style we're gearing gearing it for dog moms dog dads and basically essentials it's going to be super fun so yeah. 
It kind of happened on its own. I can't even tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it happened on its own, but behind it all was this immense like desire for community and not just community like in this big speak, but community where where the rubber meets the road of community doing things together, supporting each other. And, And it's really cool to hear that as the pandemic progressed, there was this hyper focused on very, very localized supply and and grouping together in community to per, to meet people's needs and to step 100%. in and go hey yeah let's do this you know you bring whatever you're making and you know you if you're making dog food we, you know we'll bring it in and we'll just supply, supply the local community here one it's it's probably you know safer it's keeping people out of really high density areas and two it's bringing people together and going look if you need anything we're here to help a hundred percent. That's exactly what the challenge was. And I have to say shout out to my Jersey City residents and everybody, business owners. Wow. Magic and rainbows. I'll tell you, it's it's exactly what it was like during Sandy, like it, but bigger and obviously more intense. The pandemic really forced everyone to stop exactly where they were. It wasn't yeah. even like, oh, wait, I have a shoe here. Oh, my God. People were just randomly, whether they were out of state or wherever people landed. It's almost like everything shut down so fast and it was so terrifying. And then it affected the New York City, you know, area. New York, New York is right there. I mean, we can look at New York. Anything that happens to New York essentially happens to us. We're like, people have been talking about the sixth borough and it kind of bothers people. And I understand that. But being out here, it's like we're so interconnected. And it was so scary. And especially because everyone had to sit and stop. And how do you that's not natural for New York City from Metropolis to sit and stop? Like Where's that energy? Like, you know how like, it's like you're running in a treadmill and you just fall off. Like what the heck happened here? It was really daunting and everybody was marinating and whatever they were feeling all of this time because no one, especially me, I didn't see this coming. Who did? Right. And no one thought it'd be this long. <sighs> <laughs> like wow this is intense you know <laughs> yeah you know, it, it it really has been it really has been and and trying to yeah. understand our role in in the community yes. aspect of it and I, I know that's that's something that you've been playing for for a while you know you've mentioned some events that you would go to or put on so i mm-hmm. i've got to ask like what why is it so important to you to be involved in the community events and everything going on like that? Because it's, 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 it comes up in everything that you're mentioning here. And so I, I am curious to know why, you know, why is that? For me, I find that tribe is probably the most important thing. It's not a, it's bigger than family. It's bigger than friends. It's bigger than community, this chosen family. There's so much that happens in a time frame. I think it's more perspective because I am the initiator as an immigrant to this country. Even though I was born here, we went back. There's a specific, there's a, only immigrants know this. There's a specific responsibility to the, to your, to your tribe and your, and your ancestors really that you bring forth when it's somewhere that's so different in you. Mm-hmm. I think I was 40, I'm 43 now. I was 42 years old the first time that I went to a real big family birthday party that it wasn't mainly Dominicans. Like at this point, people are more expensive and there were a lot more of different cultures within it. And that was very unusual for me. Before that time frame, it was all Spanish people. So it was like really, my personal life was heavy Dominican, very Spanish. And I found as I grew up and I, I was raised in the, in Teaneck, New Jersey, a really, it's in Bergen County, not too far from Hudson where we are, right near George Washington Bridge, just put it that way. Um, it was such a progressive, incredible city. I grew up with every minority, I, everybody back in the nineties, like everybody, <laughs> like it, most people, when they went to college, realized that how diverse we were once you went to college. Mm. That's where it was for middle school and high school. And we had art and dance and, oh my God, just the artists and musicians. Then it was just so like full and people from New York, the Upper West Side were moving towards that area. And it was just so full in that way that it really, I found that I found the reason why in the end, the, what I learned as a Dominican woman and through my ancestry and my ancestors in a tribe is that the table is always, there's always room. <laughs> like where you remember as poor as we grew up, my mother, you know, she would make like all of our aunts, like all this food. And we're like, 
I mean, we knew like we have a bunch of people coming, like, you know, having three aunts and the kids, it's like 15, 20 people. Everyone had to eat, but then we will always have all this extra food. And mama, what mom would always say, like, you never know who's going to come over, you know, quien sabe who's coming over. It's about having this extension of mm. welcoming people. And I found that because as an immigrant coming in, we have the responsibility of living in the old world and keeping that tradition, but also being the ones that open into the new world. My right. parents had a very difficult time, especially me being you know, a woman, female, coming in with that energy. I had a very, in their minds, masculine energy because I was so outspoken. I was so gregarious. And I've always been out there and I've always known who I was and who I am. And so it's kind of daunting. You know, you grew up, I, I always joke that my parents grew up in the 1850s. I grew up in the 1950s and suddenly I've transported like Scott Bakula from Quantum Leap or something out into the future. There's been so many different types of people that I've encountered. I'm a world traveler. I've been all over. I'm the first generation who's been anywhere past New York. I've been to Alaska. I've been to Egypt. I've been all over the world. And I don't know. There's something about once you meet, everybody's the same in the end. It's Mm. family. It's love. It's traditions. And although we don't do it differently, and it's all based on where we are, I just want to go to where the party is. (laughs) So I I, want to dance, and I want to eat, and I want to talk. I mean, that's basically the deal. So why it's i'm a tribe person i i, I want to embrace people who resonate and i feel that you know we're here to support each other and that's essentially why yeah yeah and i love that metaphor that that picture of the table's always bigger there's always room at the table you're mm-hmm. never going to run out and and so to hear that in your position of going i have to maintain my connections to where i came from while eagerly looking to to learn more and integrate into a new the, the new world the new a new society like that makes it one big table and so you can't oh, yeah. you you can't not be the one that goes out and gets everybody together right especially with somebody with a background that goes we always have more pe- people come over and so you're bringing that into your community there and 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 through through pet care too which is just which is just yeah. wild and so cool uh, thank you. We're, we're the welcome wagon, essentially, if there's a term to be used, where I wanted to do like a soft landing because I found I have traveled and moved so often in my life that when people are coming into Jersey City, Jersey City was so heavy artist, artist and it still is in community. But as people are coming from all over the place and then from other boroughs of New York, they were wary coming in like, oh, I made a mistake. What did I do? And I'm like, oh, honey, you don't even know what's going on. This is great. Come in. Let me show you. There's something about when whenever somebody moved into the area. We always like, that's a tradition with most cultures. You come in and you're like, welcome wagon. You have like Sancocho or you have like a Dominican cake or you have like cookies or you have maybe some wine, something to make them feel, you know, moving from what you know to something that you don't is so traumatic for people, especially for the reasons people move. And especially in New York City area, people come to New York for an experience. People come to New York to find themselves. People come to New York to be under that kind of pressure. I mean, the type of people who come here, as I say, you make it here, you make it anywhere. The type of person that it takes to come here, whether you stay short-term or not, and most people come here kind of short-term and move on, it's to have that experience of like the big city and all of the history that's happening within New York. And I feel like, you know what? No matter where you go, whether it's Alaska, Turkey, Egypt, you know, wherever you are, the little place in Dominican Republic, San Jose de las Matas, where we grew up, Dude, all you need is some food and someone knocking your door, welcoming you. I mean, that's that's like the biggest relief when you know that people care. Right. And I find, especially in a city, that's so hard to find. That's yeah. the approach for personalized pet care for us. Yeah, right. And and why in that you know that question of like why me? Well, why not me? Why am why, why, why not you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that I I I just I oh I feel that because um so many times yeah. we get caught up in our heads of going oh what you know I why would I be the one that reaches out? I just walk dogs. Like I just I just you know scoop cat litter. <laughs> That's all I do. Well, you know what? Like why not? Because Bigger. because you're out there in the community, because you are seeing people, you're waving people from the streets, you're you know you're meeting shop owners. Why not you? Why not be a part of that? Have you heard about Time to Pet? 
Dan from NYC Pooch, has this to say. Antibet has been a total game changer for us. It's helped us streamline many aspects of our operation, from scheduling and communication to billing and customer management. Uh, we actually tested other pet sitting softwares in the past, but these other solutions were clunky and riddled with problems. Everything in Time to Pet has been so well thought out. It's intuitive, feature-rich, and it's always improving. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. And as you've mentioned, you know, COVID gave us a whole new meaning of community. Um, and one of the things that, that you did was you organized a, a special COVID reopening class for your community. Oh, yes. So, so, <laughs> so tell us about that. Sure. So here I am. Uh, we closed things down, obviously, in four days. We closed everything down. Uh, no one knew when this was ending. I figured a few weeks, maybe. Everyone's panicking. Um, I'm a fairly, I'm a fairly empathic person. Uh, I'm a healer as well, a teacher, uh, a business coach, a bunch of things. I just feel like with the experience that I had, I did it alone. So much of that, that it's so important. Whenever I see, I feel anyone being afraid or I feel people being shaken to their core, anything that reminds me in particular what happened with Sandy, it just, I have like a kinship to people who are afraid, I think. Mm. And my big thing has been like, it's not like I'm magical and I'm like, yeah, let's do this. I am the most scared person there is at the end of the day, surprisingly, but I'm scared, but then I do it scared because there is no other choice. I mean, you have to move ahead. So you might as well be terrified. I, I hate heights. I don't do roller coasters. I, I even, the, I can do the merry-go-round. Like I can't, like, I can't do like, what is it? The Ferris wheel. Oh my God. Like I can't need to be on the ground because life is so scary to me. Life has been so scary in my experience. And I felt like I've been thrown into the lines then so often, but I've learned that if you do it scared, then you, it's okay. That's kind of part, you're never going to get rid of that. Mm. So when I saw, I just felt like, like everyone, I think had this global vibration of anxiety and fear and shock and awe and in panic. And it just, I, it was so heart wrenching for me to watch that with our walkers and the people in our, in our office staff and to watch our clients and everyone just worry about their families and their health and people are dying left and right. I mean, New York, it, New York area got hit so hard, similar to California and other larger cities in comparison. Thank goodness. I have to say in other places that it will likely would never reach that, that type of epicenter, but Hell, I was, I was out here. It reminds me, I mean, I was out here for, I was living in New York City since 1999. Like I was there in New York pre 9-11. I remember it has a lot of shades of similarity mm. of when you walk through life and all you're doing is living, loving, going to work and doing the best that you can to give and become a better person and, and take all your failings and, and work on that and fail. And you know, wallow or whatever, and whoever you're going to meet. And I'm realizing as more time went forward, you know, there's something about people being afraid. So after things settled down, I just couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take this energy where I just felt like everyone was like shaking. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, my own perceptions. I don't know what, but I said to myself, well, I've done everything I needed to do or could do or would do or whatever for my business and I'm checking in on other people and through IG, um, about 29 companies or so did an emergency like Instagram, like what the heck is going on? Like everyone was so scared. And out of everyone there, um, uh, you know, I had been a pet sitter within Hudson County in the longest. We were one of the larger companies. So we were helping each other. We were supporting each other and patting each other on the back and saying, it's going to be okay. And, and it was through the conversations that I was seeing and observing and being part of with all of these amazing um, pet sitters that, you know, we recommend. And there were other little mini tribe that we have in support prior to COVID. When I realized that they reminded me a bit of me when I first started. Mm. And I'm like, then what am I doing? It's wrong for me not to do something. Like, I just felt like, let's see whoever, like, I'm just going to do this. If people want to be there, great. If not, no biggie, let's just do something. And then on top of that, I'm that person that I was so anxious and I needed something to occupy my anxiety. 
I felt like the way that I tend to work through things, especially with fear, is that I make take that fear as fuel and that anxiety and try to build something for the greater good if I can. And I thought, let me take my knowledge and see how I can help with my stage managing and the rest, see what happens. So that's how that came along. The phrase you said there was, you know, I, I needed to do it, but I was scared. So I'm going to do it scared, right? And I'm going to, I just, you know, you couldn't not do something when you saw people and and to step up and go, okay, I'm going to put this on and to, to help everybody, right? That's going to make everybody better in the end. So what uh, what kind of topics did you cover for the for the businesses and uh, that were that attended? Oh, sure, sure. Um the first one that was very specific um was going over the executive order for our governor, Governor Murphy. Um what we found in New Jersey, since most of New Jersey is not a city, most of New Jersey is either suburban or you know, rural or et cetera, like beach towns and so on. Um, it's the Garden State for a reason. It's a lot of farms and things. Um, I found that it seemed as if the government, look, they, everyone, I'm so proud of Governor Murphy, so proud of, of the governor of New York. Everyone really up here. I felt like we all felt really supported despite all this crazy stuff. But we had to go over, uh, since only essential businesses were open, the way they deemed anything under the pet care label was um, veterinary, which makes sense, and then pet food. It's And, you know, as everyone knows, the dog walking business in the last 20 years, especially the last eight to 10, really has come almost out of nowhere. It's almost like the the um, the government really has not really kept step with the reality. So when they just shut everything down, and I am that person who's like, because I am the regulator too, I'm the stage manager and safety person. Yeah. Like I'm a big, I follow rules, obviously, for safety otherwise. and. I didn't want to go against anything that they first put out, but we had to, you know, my company reached out to uh, Governor Murphy and to reached out to Steve Bullup and, and, and their organization to basically go, hey, I respect what you guys are doing, but do you understand the, the con, like what's going to happen? If only essential people can work, do you not understand maybe that dog walking can be essential? Because how will all of the doctors and all of the, store clerks and everybody that needed to go to work, it's inhumane to leave someone behind for 12 hours. Like, what are we doing here? So I regrouped early to try to figure out what to do, but the class covered, um, basically what can we do as a business to bring up COVID policies that would be best according to what the governor Murphy did in executive order and the way he amended certain things. So he eventually he opened up grooming because there's so many breeds that if you don't groom them, that's that's a, that's a health issue, right. you know, on top of that. So there was a lot of conversation involved. So we covered what governor, what happened at that time, because yeah. every, the, the, as you know, the executive order would change every couple of weeks, yeah. depending on the intensity. So it was like, how do we put this class on when I feel like I'm like chasing this train? It was like really intense. So we did the executive order. We did a lot of um, information regarding prepping your staff, if you have, along with other partnerships, like other buildings you come into and honoring their safety aspect. Um, the latest regarding the CDC, I made sure that I was certified through uh, the Pet Sitters International. They have a course uh, for COVID-19 certification. And I was very proud to say that I, I want to say like 85 to 90% of what I had already planned to discuss and cover um, it's what they covered too. So I felt like I was on the right track. There was a lot of research. Again, I preface everything saying I'm not an expert. Uh, this is an educational program as we're doing everything else. I gave a listing. I gave a syllabus. It was like a teaching situation. Mm-hmm. So I had a syllabus. We had a lot of coverage, but we covered, um, you know, all of that. Uh, we had a Q and a, which was super great. Um, but again, we went into safety options and more how to have a conversation where we wouldn't get so much pushback because how do you have a conversation with clients who normally like to give you a little bit of pushback because they don't know. They like eating a hot dog. They don't know how, what, how to make a hot dog behind the scenes. That's what we do, right? Yeah. So you have to have that balance of customer service with like safety of like, of course, we're not doing that. How do we do it in a way that, that they can best understand where they, where they are not the ones pushing you and making you uncomfortable with the policies that are there? I'm glad that Governor Murphy our governor had what he had. I'm glad the executive orders were there because all we had to do is, according to the Governor Murphy's executive order, like, look, it's dog walking. It's not brain surgery. Like, work with us, right? Like, yeah. let's do this. So it was a lot of that, just conversations of how to approach clients in a way that it's effective, what kind of emails to write, how to then support your staff because everyone is scared. Mm-hmm. How do you make them feel 
that they're supported with the safety masks and gloves, what policies are you going to put in for their safety? Because it's I've always run my company where it's the safety on both sides. I have this emblem that says clients equals walkers, walkers equals clients, because it's the same. And if you don't treat without clients, obviously you wouldn't have a company, but without walkers, hello, I did it for 13 years. And the moment I got off my feet, I've been like, oh my God, like it had safety is number one. And if we can't do it safely, we're not doing it. I'm not interested. Wow. That aspect of going, okay, there's not just information here. And, and yes, that information is changing because as these executive orders come in, it's kind of, kind of chaos, but it's not just that too. It's, it's <laughs> how do we, how do we communicate? How do we just talk about this in a way that's yeah. going to make sense? That's going to be clear to both our employees and our clients because it's confusing for everybody. Everybody's scared. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on edge. Nobody knows what's going on. So let's, let's just get some tools in place so that we, you know, again, it, it starts with us. Why not me? Why I, I need to learn how to talk about this. I need to learn to take on that responsibility. A hundred percent. And like de-escalating anxiety, how do you give support? And, and then more importantly, I find uh, pet sitters have, have a difficulty because most of us are very empathic and we want to help. Boundaries. We wanted to, if there's ever a time, I was telling everyone, think of this as a minor blessing, but think, is there, if there's, it took a pandemic to slow everybody down. It took a pandemic to bring up the idea of how does one effectively communicate with a client where you're supportive, but then you draw that line where it doesn't mm. then, you know, boundaries are so essential in what we do. And so many of us are so bad at it that if there's ever a time, I said, look, blame Governor Murphy. Like, I mean, that's the point. Like he's, he's the leader of the state and I'm not, I'm a dog sitter. Like at the end of the day, if you have to pull the Murphy card, pull the Murphy card. Right. No, that is, <laughs> that is so good of like this muscle that none of us, that uh, this muscle that so few of us exercise yeah, on a regular basis of going, <laughs> Oh, I need to tell this person no, but I don't really want to tell them no. And so how can I get out of telling them no, I'll just say yes. So I won't no. have to. And it's, and yeah, it's like, you know what? No, use, do, start start rehearsing that start putting that into practice and you know and you have a really good reason to say no right now you have a wonderful if there's reason. ever a reason <laughs> just and 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 i'm sure you know again that 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 takes some of that fear that takes some of that edge off as far as like oh i didn't i didn't want to say no i didn't want to have to do that but i have no choice now my hands are actually tied okay that should make it easier to say no next time because you said it no that one time or you drew that boundary, you drew that line in the sand that one time. Mm-hmm. Each time you do that, kind of honestly, regardless of the reason of whether it was Governor yeah. Murphy or it was because you wanted to, <laughs> it gets easier to draw that line to, each time. It you do it. it's, just, it's just practice at that point. It's very empowering. And I encourage everyone, this is the time. Take a look at everything of how you run your company that you just doesn't work for you anymore, that you don't resonate, that you hate. This is the time. Clean it out. And no is your friend. Yeah. We everybody was like, we can do that. I'm like, yes. A hundred percent. It's like giving the permission to sit down and do whatever you like. And I, I told them, look, be prepared. People are, e- are either gonna leave you or they won't. But if this is what you need to move ahead and it's brand new insanity, it's yeah. your peace of mind. Yeah. Do it for yourself. Most of the people that I was working with, I have to say in our area, most of the people are their own walkers and they may have one or two that they work with. Sure. Most of the people in our area are smaller. There's a handful a little bigger. So they were like their own people. And, and because they're so involved, they had a difficulty of separating. So it was a really, I think, beautiful um, perspective. And it, it went over really well, I have to say. Everybody was very excited about that part. Well, good. So yeah. And given your past experiences in organizing events and being part of that and you know, your stage management too, what, how did you pull this together, especially with the pandemic oh. raging in the background? Well, um, let's put it this way. Um, anybody who's a stage manager, anyone who is an event, like the event coordinator, uh, there's a meme I saw in a joke that says, hey, if this pandemic, if we just had stage managers and an event people basically come up and take charge, everything will be done in a week. <laughs> and we'll do it with like, you know, minimal. We have like gaff tape, like I mean, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and we'll make it work. Like it's it's not even like that. But anybody who does any type of level of, of management, especially for stage and performance, um, where every single performance has to be like the the first one experience for the for the, the audience. Mm. Well, the history of theater is fire. I mean, at the end of the day, it's what it is. Anybody who runs anything on Broadway knows 
that we run a pandemic schedule every day of the week. (laughs) So it's that aspect of preparing for the worst and having not just plan A, B, and C. I'm a person who has a plan A A through Z and beyond and whatever other language I have. Like Spanish alphabet is longer. So I have a plan for everything. (laughs) I'll tell you, like, let's get in here. I'm a Marine. I don't know. I feel like very prepared. Um, Like how this came about in the end, uh, honestly, uh, it was kind of daunting. because I'm a stage manager and because I do love this, you think I'm an extrovert. I'm not. I'm actually an introvert. I'm a very like pensive. I'm actually fairly quiet on my own. Like I love being in my own headspace and it's there. And my big thing is, you know, stage managers, not only do you stage manage the play, opening day, like you work with the director and producer and you like the in-between, you do all, you like the center and you're the one who basically time check and you balance the whole thing and you deal with all of the personalities. You're just super crazy and fun. Creatives are great. I love it. But oh my goodness, uh, it's one of my favorite things. Um, the reality is opening day, the biggest surprise that I had when I was stage managing the first time is that the director sits down and he's done, he or she has done their job. And this, mm-hmm. they, they brought, they helped to birth it to life. The day of opening day, it's the stage manager show. The director needs to sit down. Everybody needs to, producers sit down. Everyone sit down. And you're the one in charge. And you're dressed all in black because no one, you can be all, like, you're behind the scenes and you're pressing buttons. You have the thing in your in your, in your your mouthpiece and you're walking around with the thing. And, and it's like, you're not you're a ghost exactly, but kind of. You're not supposed to be seen. It's It was, I found the biggest issue for me. It wasn't the knowledge of how to get it, the work behind, because I'm very thorough. The biggest thing for me, surprisingly, was stepping into the spotlight. Mm. That is not a natural place for me. Um, I have a dance background, so anything nonverbal, I can do just fine. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> but to step in as a teacher, as a motivational speaker, as I just everything, all the knowledge that I had, part of me had that feeling of almost like imposter syndrome. Like, who am I to be stepping in? What do I know? Mm. And I had to sit down and go, dude, what do you know? So I had to get over myself. I had to come in. It's like I had to become that actor in front with full makeup and hair. And I'm like, hair? I feel like I feel like I went behind the scenes as I'm walking towards the front of the stage. It was like this, this uh, just transformation of like uh, wardrobe and hair. And I'm like, wait, what? And then the lights, like the lights that I usually would run with people, wait, the lights are on me and the queue is in the front. I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah. That was tough for me wow. to be up there. but. Once I got over myself <laughs> and my nerves, I realized that it was so much fun because it's just mm. like, it's like sitting down with people and, you know, drinking tea together or having a drink or just talking like I love to do. So it wasn't really, it was a lot less daunting than I really wrapped my head around to do because that scared the living nightmare off of me <laughs> coming in there. But again, one step at a time, one step at a time, I made sure I was certified. I made sure I had research. I reached out to um, other people. There's Meg, the pet sitter specifically. She's amazing. She is a force of nature. She's so out there and she does social media. Again, I'm 43. I'm like the youngest of the Gen Xers. So I got like the taste of social media. But I, you know, again, I'm from the 1800s. I love a good book. Like, I don't know. She got me in there and she has taught so many classes. And she, I went to her and I hired her to teach me. Like, what are the, what does one do? Like, I, I realized the only thing that I didn't know that I couldn't picture necessarily how one does, um, like, how does one interact with people when they're not in front of you like that? It's just a really weird thing. So I'm so used to having flesh and blood in front of me kind of a thing and being a part of the same energy. But that's a COVID experience. Everybody had to learn that. So I reached out uh, to, to Meg, to Megan, and she was supportive and lovely and gave me such phenomenal pointers. I went to the experts because I'm not going to recreate a wheel or I didn't have that ego in me to be like, oh, I know what to do. I'm like, if I felt scared, I felt like I had to do everything as well as I could to make sure that people got what they needed to get in the yeah. format of this weird video thing. So through her, she held my hand. I called her before freaking out. I'm like, oh my goodness, I know what I'm doing. And then she talked me off a ledge. And the day of, I realized that, you know, through that support, um, I'm so grateful to her in particular. It was really magical. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for, for listeners who are going, oh my gosh, I have no idea how you would even start <laughs> 
doing this. This is crazy. You know, li- sure. listening, to, listening to this going, yeah, you get out of your, it's outside of yourself. You, you bring in support, bring in this community, lean into this tribe yeah. that you have around you. Right. Like, like, and so what other advice would you give to somebody who, who may be thinking about this event? They hear this idea of doing a, a COVID reopening and they, they may go, Oh, that, that sounds interesting. Um, what kind of <laughs> advice would you give to them? Well, everything is the most important thing is bite size. I, I'm a I'm a person who can view the larger span. I love planning six months a year. I love this idea of playing with the possibilities. Um, but in this COVID world, we didn't even know what's going on tomorrow half the time or three days in felt like at like two weeks. I mean, nobody knew what the heck was going on. So this long term, this ability to Look beyond the time frame of I can see for the future. That was erased. Everything was just dark like everybody else. And that terrified me. Mm. So I find what I tell people is sit down and look in your inventory. Open up all of the projects that you've done. Look at the things that naturally that you are already attuned with. Because everybody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And it's mainly people that you like. There's plenty of people that I would love to work with, but maybe we don't resonate exactly the same way. And that's okay. At the end of the day, there is a path for everybody. And it's not about saying, how do I make this for the masses? It's who am I? What do I have to bring that's honest and what's, that makes you unique? And then look around and saying, what is my experience? Even like tiny experience, like whatever it is, every experience that you've had in life is important. In my 20s, um, you know, when I was living in New York City, I, I wasn't able to finish college. It's a long story, but I wasn't able to finish college. Part of that was the effect of 9-11. I, I, it was very difficult for, for anything to really proceed. And I realized that I needed still to figure out who I was. So I became a, a mail carrier. I was a legal analyst. I was a real estate agent. Like I, I wanted to get my feed into different possibilities to, to build things. So everybody has something, whether, uh, whatever that, that you have discipline in, look at your inventory, honestly, and figure out what's fun. Because I'm telling you, I know putting a class together and doing a stage management thing, most people will be like, wow, that sounds really boring. Or that sounds like really intense. I love it. I love putting Legos together. I love to see, I'm, I'm, I'm always putting ideas, creatives, looking, it's almost like cooking. I feel like I go, I open the fridge and go, what do we have left here? Mm-hmm. And I can make anything out of anything really, as long as I honor the ingredients. And at the end of the day, look at what you have, but most importantly, start small. I, when I first started again with this, again, it was just me and I had a client and that was only 20, uh, that was only eight years ago. It, it, it doesn't, it feels like it's been like a hundred years now, but I don't know. I feel like, look at your strengths, Look at who you have in inventory wise and everything is one step at a time, right. you know, one bite at a time. And it's about getting over the initial fears of organization. But most importantly, if you're not an organized person, you have to work with somebody who is mm. otherwise it's going to be nothing but chaos. <laughs> <laughs> and not all of us have that as, as a strength and God bless you. I understand, but get somebody that can help you with that. <laughs> it also resonates with you. Who's able to give you the support because ooh, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, thinking about this of going, Oh man, like that, that class sounds so cool to put on. My community could really use that, but I'm, as guys mentioned earlier, I'm I'm just the pet sitter though. Like I, who who am I to put this on? As you, as you talked about, this imposter syndrome starts creeping yeah. in. Like who am I? I'm not an expert. I don't know anything. But but mm-hmm. as you're saying, but you've done things in the past too that can help, right? And you you probably know somebody. Look at look around you and start going. What assets do I have, both internal and external? And start small. Don't don't think about the final production. You know, we need we're yeah. we're thinking we're thinking angle of stage lights and we're thinking curtain <laughs> settings. We're 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 doing that right yeah. now, right? We're just looking at things that are around before we start trying to back up and see the whole production. You know, you are so big into community and it's such a big passion for you. Some people might not have a close community like that around them. Uh, they might not have connections to the community or might not feel that connection around them. What are some mm-hmm. steps that they can take to build that community? Oh, sure, sure. Um, I think when 
technology is something that all of us have to find our peace with. Because I find I appreciated it. I saw it as a tool that is obviously the future. Everyone needs to understand that this room, again, this is history that I learned because I was a history major too, but this reminds me of any time in history, any time in history that there's been a big change, like the industrial revolution, when it was mainly farms before the big city came along, technology comes along. Anytime technology comes along, especially in the last 150 years, it has radically changed how we do at day-to-day things, how we are able to make space for each other or not. I find that technology, especially for whatever generation that you're in, it's this is the time. I feel that the, te- the way technology has processed itself, especially the last five to eight years, it's been there. We've been playing around with it, but look what the pandemic did. It forced everyone to pick up that tool and run. And I remember, and look, as much as it's there, I have a Facebook thing. Yeah, I have Facebook for my family. I'm, I'm a very private person. My son's pictures are there, so that's there. And yes, we have uh, Instagram. You know, I have a social media person who that's the language she knows, and she's phenomenal at that. We share the same brain, thank goodness. But I never made it a priority for myself because it was not. It was nothing. It was something that wasn't important to me individually or necessary in my personal life. And then I come to realize that with the way I run my business this is all pre-COVID was there shouldn't be any part of my business that I can't do relatively well. I may not be the expert. I may not be the, exactly the person that I want to do the long term, but it doesn't make sense. How can I weigh things properly if I am so out of the loop of social media? So I sat down and gave myself a project pre-COVID to finally bite the bullet and, and dive into Instagram and figure out the why. It wasn't like, oh, people Instagram, ugh. It was like, well, why? Why are people coming here? And I feel like I came to my realization as to why I started learning it. But I find the biggest thing that people can do, especially when they feel isolated, as we all have, and how difficult that is. No one is more isolated than a single parent. I'll tell you that right now. Point to everybody. <laughs> as we come, we have so much responsibility, especially as entrepreneurs. Um, technology is your friend. There's a lot of good and bad in everything. And when you finally embrace the part of technology that best coincides with you, I find that in this post-COVID world, it would behoove us to open the doors that way. I find Facebook groups are really important. Uh, there's plenty of walk, like walking Facebook groups. Anything that you want, you type in a Facebook group, you'll find it. Now, the trick is, is to find the right group for you. And it's basically like the way it used to be, it's like, let's go into a group together. And it used to be very interpersonal. You know what? Now there's a way that someone, you know, from Asia can connect with somebody in South America because they have similar interests. So they have a similar, you know, residence and things. You will find your tribe anywhere you go. It doesn't have to be specifically the immediate community you're in. So if you feel so isolated, especially after COVID, you can't even... I can't even touch anybody out here. It's been so crazy. Then you know what? Online is where people are. But if you want to do something in community as communities are opening up, well, where do you find peace and happiness? Where do you find your people? Go to the dog run. Talk to people. Go take walks with, you know, if you like going to the gym. It's almost like depending on where every, the United States is so big and there's, and every community is so individual. That maybe somebody, you know, in South Dakota versus like South Carolina will have different options to because of weather, because of the people are there, because of history. It's all very dependent on location. But I find that there's always going to be somebody that is going to be your friend. There's always going to be somebody who needs to support, even if it's not exactly like you, doesn't look like you. It's about opening up and having that conversation. It's like I, I, I wrote something down here about, you know, um, you know, borrowing a cup of sugar, like that type of thing where it's that simple. It's if you're not sure what to do and how to approach instead of it being business and what do we do? Talk to your neighbors, talk to people that you like, talk to people in the community who've been there before you. Because, again, there's no need to feel that you are recreating any kind of wheel. Who else is there in mentorship? Uh, that may be able to support you, even if it's a different uh, realm. It may not be pet sitting. It may be something else. It maybe resonates more community aspects. So I think it's important for everyone to sit down and look around and look look where you're living and start from there. And if you cannot find something there, continue to go online and start that process because you will find your tribe. Right. It's that stepping out and just start searching. Just start 
Just start asking yeah. questions. Just start opening to, doors. Yeah, opening doors. Hopefully to, to people yeah. that you know, you know, knock on the door first, maybe before you open it. Yeah, but. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> knock on that door. Come, come in with like a pie. Do yeah. something. But yeah. it's, be it's, friendly. <laughs> it's, 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 it sounds so simple, yet it's really profound of just start reaching out to people, whether that's yeah. next door or whether that's halfway across the world because of Facebook sure. or whatever, right? Yeah. Vet shops, pet stores. There's always a, a wherever people congregate that are, that are under the pet world, there's there's always a place that people call, you know, pets and, and, and dogs and cats are part of our family. So it, there's people who have that support, whether it's through medical, again, through the veterinary, there's a way to start somewhere. Right. And it's a, and the great thing is don't get like defeated with the idea that's not going fast enough because eventually you're going to hit something that makes sense for you. And it's like a snowball effect. You're going to start walking the right way, but just realize that you're going to get lost a little bit sometimes and, and that you're going to open doors or, or go, oh, I don't want to really be here. These people seem nice, but they're not your people. That's okay. Right. doesn't mean that you messed up. It means keep going. Don't stay there and don't leave forever. Just keep going because you will find you know your table, right. a chair at the table that you belong in. Yeah. Well, Judy, thank you for having us at your table. Thank you for bringing us together and for for having us and exploring and explaining what it's like and the importance of community and all that you are and and all that you are involved in. And it's it's been very encouraging and uplifting to me, I know, and I know other people will as well. Um, But if people want to have, if they have more questions, if they want to reach out, get some more information from you, how can they do that? Absolutely. Uh, please get in touch with us at TalesOnTrails.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram for our handle is TalesOnTrails, LLC. And of course, same for Facebook. Um, come say hi, email us, um, anything you need. I'm happy to answer questions or give support. Um, and in particular, keep an eye out for fall 2020 for Tales on Trails Marketplace in the west side of Jersey City. Um, this is just a new iteration and we're so excited to you know, not let what has happened under 2020 stop us. I think it's going to be bigger, brighter, and better, mainly because we are finding our own tribes and we're supporting each other more locally. So Jersey City all the way, everybody. <laughs> That's wonderful. And I'll include links to all that and some things we've discussed about as well in the show notes. People can click there and find it very easily. It's been, it's been a real pleasure and it's been a real joy, Judy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Colin, for the opportunity. This has been such a pleasure for me too. Thank you so much. When you look at your community, do you see a big table with lots of room and never running out of space or chairs? I love that metaphor and that way of thinking about the people around us. I also loved when Judy said, I need to do this and I'm scared, so I'm going to do it scared. I love that so much because it's a reminder that we get scared sometimes and there are still things that have to get done that we need to do because it's who we are and it aligns with what our business needs to be doing in the community. So what are you scared to do? What do you need to do in your community to bring people together? Only you can answer that, but we'd love to hear what you're working on and what you have in mind. So send us an email at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at petsitterconfessional. And we haven't got one in a while, so it'd be great to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail at 636-364-8260. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Time to Pet, for making this week's show possible. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon. Bye.